0: How's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 153, and I sat down with David Hanna. Uh, He is the teaching pastor at the Church of Lachlan Springs here in East Nashville, Tennessee. And I figured, you know what? It's almost Easter. Be a good time to sit down and talk about religion and philosophy of religion and things like that. We had a really interesting conversation. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, he uh, he's very open, and uh, th- there's just there's no amount of pushback or defensiveness in his words, and I love that. I love being able to talk about things uh, where nobody's trying to convince anybody of anything. We're just you know having a conversation. It's my favorite thing. That and whiskers on kittens and things. Um, Yesterday, the world stood and watched in horror as uh, the cathedral at Notre Dame uh, burnt up, and thankfully it was not completely destroyed. Uh, This morning when I got up, firstly, when I was watching it happen in real time, I I was physically, oh God, physically hurt by it. It was just, what what a tragedy, and... It's really interesting how the world mourns the loss of places that represent such major things, you know, like, I mean, it was a church, right? So it represents all the things that a church represents, but it's also filled with priceless artworks and history and humanity in its own way. And say what you will about the history of religion, sure, it's had its moments of not so niceness, but... This building is really something to behold, and I think collectively when we see that being destroyed, it's, it's very hard on our, psy- on our psyches and on our souls. Um, so this morning when I got up, I saw that a bunch of French billionaires uh, put their money together to help rebuild the church, and I thought that was really, really lovely. But of course it sent me down the path of thinking, man, if only we felt about people the way we feel about buildings and artifacts uh, things things could get cleaned up pretty good around this planet um, but that's just me waxing poetic and i know it's you know you can't tell people where to put their money i get all that stuff all those arguments but if a bunch of billionaires decided tomorrow that they all wanted to pledge 100 200 million dollars which is like chicken scratch for them really but pledge it to humanity I just think of what that could solve. Oh, my gosh. I mean, anyway, it's fun to ponder. So uh, in other news, uh, of course, anything that uh, David and I spoke about, we if it was a reference of some sort of book or movie or something, it'll be on that links page on heyhumanpodcast.com. Uh, I try, again, to keep that uh, really well curated so much information, lots of cool books, and all sorts of things. So if you think to yourself, self, what is something good to read? I guarantee you are gonna find something you like on that links page. Because I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of books, um, and movies too, so lots of stuff. Anyway, um, I'm about to take a very long road trip so excited, and I went to Audible, which I'm not represented by, but I love them, downloaded a whole bunch of books, including a book that uh, David recommended to me, a C.S. Lewis book called Mere Christianity, so I'm really excited to read that one. I don't remember if he recommended it on air or not, but I just thought I'd throw that out there, uh, so I'm excited to read that. Well, listen to that, which is kind of like reading only with your ears, <laughs> Um, the usual social media stuff. You know how to find Hey Human at this point, I'm sure, but uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram under Hey Human Podcast. And then if you want to check out my personal page, uh, it's Susan Ruthism, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. And that's on all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Well, I guess that's not all of them, but it's a good handful. By the way, if uh, you've been trying to get me to add you as a friend on Facebook. I, I see that all, all the time I get all these requests. And as you know, I'm sure you get requests from random real people and random fake people. If uh, you listen to the show and you send me a friend request, shoot me a little message. Um, let me know that, Hey, I listened to the show and that's why I'm adding you. Um, that'd be really helpful and cool. And it would just be nice to say hi. Um, what else you can reach me at Susan at Hey, dot com. Uh, The Amazon portal is alive and well on the HeyHumanPodcast.com website. If you shop Amazon, uh, please go through the Amazon portal there on on my website because it really helps support the show, helps keep it ad-free, and all that good stuff. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes and help it break the algorithm barrier. Um, I appreciate that as well. I think that's about it. Um, Yeah. Boy, oh boy, spring has sprung. I am a wash-in allergy. Uh, I, don't, I never had allergies until I moved to Nashville. And now I wake up on these fine spring mornings and my eyes are watering buckets and they're glued shut all at the same time, which I can't quite figure out how that works. Um, but yeah, welcome to spring. It has sprung. All right, uh, that's it. Now I'm just rambling and uh, I don't want to do that anymore. So <laughs> here we go. David Hanna, welcome to Hey Human.
1: Uh, I am excited to be here. I've been anticipating this moment for like a year now almost, it seems like.
0: I guess, yeah, It's been, has it been that long? I
1: feel like it was last summer that we first made contact, so maybe not a full year.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, um, I'm going to turn the volumes down a little bit. I feel like we're kind of hot to trot here. There we go. Um... So we met by happenstance sitting next to each other at a very good coffee shop. Actually, let's pull them a little closer to us. Yours uh, is probably fine. Mine is not. Okay. okay. Um, so we met happenstance uh, at the coffee shop that I love, the Post East yeah, in East Nashville. They're
1: all the time, about three blocks from where we're sitting right now.
0: But I can't remember how it... Was I dropping on you or were you eavesdropping on me? or I...
1: I prefer to remember the story you eavesdropping on me. I'm not sure if that's reality, but that's what we're going to go with.
0: It does sound like something I would do.
1: I was having a meeting, you were having a meeting, and suddenly we were all having a meeting together.
0: Yes, which is very much the way I like things. Um, (laughs) You began talking about... Well, there was... I think it was you were just starting the church. So Correct. You, the Church of Lachlan Springs here in East Nashville. Right. And you are the pastor.
1: All of those things are true. Yeah.
0: And so you were this, and it was just beginning. You were trying to suss out the plans.
1: We we and, and in many ways we still are. I think. Uh, but yes. So so we're kind of in a unique situation here at the Church at Lachlan Springs in that we are for all intent and purposes a church plant. That is built on the foundation of a church, of a congregation that's over 100 years old. We're also connected to a much larger church body. So, uh, a lot of different moving parts. This building uh, is
0: incredible. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it really And it's humongous.
1: It keeps going and going and going. Yeah, it's definitely
0: a labyrinth. Um, I think a lot of people. I look at churches a lot of times the way I look at McDonald's or 7-Elevens and that they just appear and they've always been there. But there's actually a lot more into creating a church. And I don't know that many people really know what that is. Would you explain a little bit of what the process is?
1: Sure. Well, I think... um... You know, maybe, maybe we need to start with the definition of that word church, because that's where a lot of things get messed up. Okay. Uh, a lot of people think of it when they think of a church, they think of bricks and mortar and a steeple and a sanctuary and a pastor and all those things. And, and those things are a church building, a church location., uh, but based on kind of the biblical definition, that term "church is the people inside. It's the church is the people. it's not it's not the building. So when you talk about creating a church, it's much more about, the community the body of believers uh and what that looks like in in the particular context in the context of the community that we're serving here in east nashville uh the context of of the people that god has brought to us here now the building is a large part of that we have a place that we gather we have kind of a home base this building is 1904 i think is the cornerstone so so it's been around a minute, yeah. uh, which does make it beautiful, but also brings with it a whole layer of, as we are beginning this <laughs> church body, what do we need to do to this church building to make it sure. uh, a usable home? Sure. So all of that goes into it. There's a lot of um, really just getting to know the community in which you are serving, and um, Learning in the same way as you need to learn how to love your your spouse or significant other well, and we're all unique individuals. There's no just blueprint. Mm-hmm. As a husband, this is what you do for your wife. It's, you need to know your wife. Uh, in the same way, uh, a church body needs to know the community that, that we are charged with loving. Uh, we are charged with loving East Nashville, and East Nashville, as you well know, is an incredibly unique and Very beautiful diverse. and diverse and yeah. dynamic place. Sure. So a lot of it is just taking months, years, to to just soak in the community, so you can learn how to love it well. Does that make sense? It
0: does. So given that in your definition and I would say the biblical definition of the church, uh, right? Jesus says the temple of God is within you. So if if the church isn't the building? Why do you think so many people get hung up on? You don't know God unless you're sitting with your butt in the, in the seats on Sunday.
1: Well, I think or I Friday, think that on your that misconception <laughs> falls squarely at the feet of the church of the people uh, for for several generations. Uh, and when I, when I say when I say the church, I'm talking about. The church in general, not church any particular, exactly. Seat. Got it. Uh, the big <laughs> C, not any particular individual body of believers. Um, but for for several generations, the church big C in general has focused uh, the worship experience, the pursuit of God, the faith journey around a location. Mm-hmm. And it has caused a large misconception within the church itself. And if there's a misconception within the church itself, certainly there would be a misconception uh, in the community of what a church is. Uh, if you look at kind of Old Testament versus New Testament, speaking in broad general terms, Old Old Testament is very much a come and see model. That's where you get a lot of those Old Testament laws, um, how they would have to Uh, plant their fields, how they would have to leave a corner of it uncut for visitors to come by, how they built the temple. All of that is because Israel, Jerusalem is kind of at the crossroads of the world at that point. So it's this idea of everyone come and see the people of God. When you switch over to the New Testament, you read the New Testament. Sorry, sorry
0: I was laughing I think like, And hope that you are worthy of God or else you burst into flames upon entering the, the door. <laughs> well, there's that. So that's a thing. Testament <laughs>
1: Old Testament is intense. Old Testament is crazy intense. Uh, as, as you kind of turn the page to the New Testament, it is much more of a go and tell.
0: Mm-hmm. Where the flock is the world.
1: And, and exactly. And we're, we are to take the message and the love of Jesus Christ into the world as opposed to sitting and and hoping the world comes to us. Sadly, for quite a while, we've gotten that backwards and we're still mentally in that come and see model. We're gonna make a really cool building, we're gonna make a really cool Sunday morning experience. Uh, You know, whatever the world is doing. I remember when I was a kid, I'm showing my age here (laughs) when I was a kid like roller skating and skating rinks were a really big deal so I knew a lot of churches that you would go and they would have a church gym and they would have roller skates and they would have skating nights and they would invite the community in seems fun now um for a long time it was coffee shops everybody loves coffee shops everybody loves the post east well you know what let's just build an awesome coffee shop in the church and then they're going to come to us
0: Mm -hmm.
1: well hey we know that never happens I mean, why would, you, why would you come to this building to drink coffee when the post is three blocks away? Sure. B, it's the antithesis of the New Testament go and tell model. It's not everybody come to us, it's us go to them. Right. And C, it ends up isolating us from the rest of the world because yes, those roller skating rinks or workout facilities or coffee shops that we've built inside our churches are full. They're full with people from the church. So no longer do we have relationships with people outside the church. No longer do we have any sort of intimacy with the world. No longer do we know how to love the world well.
0: I think that brings up such an interesting thing because technically to be a good, whatever religion you're in, Mm. one of the main tenets of the religion, generally speaking, throughout Judeo-Christian, the Muslims every they're all, you know, love thy neighbor as themselves. They all have that basic understanding sure. right? is to okay. help others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the idea of reaching out to the community, regardless of religion or lack thereof, is so important. Right. And that gets forgotten along totally. the way. And I think it does have to do with the big C and the big T sure. or whatever it's going to be. And, and the idea of that get the butts of the seats. Right. You know, If I'm practicing my faith, whatever it is, and I believe that my faith is only lit up when I'm sitting there listening to someone like you speaking, mm-hmm. then I'm, I feel like I'm sort of missing the sure, point. Sure,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And we have generations of, of believers that um, their only touch point with any sort of relationship with their creator is one hour on a Sunday morning. And then that's, that's kind of it. And they don't think about it and they don't do anything. It's like a light switch it, or something. Exactly. And, and they, don't, um, they don't understand how, how to live that in their life. They don't understand how to live that in their community. And the idea of love your neighbor as yourself never even enters anybody's mind. Sure. So I'm going to love my neighbor as long as they look like me, vote like me, sound like me, believe like me. Uh, but that is not what the Bible teaches us what what we talk to our people about a lot is is we are going to love this this neighborhood, this community intensely and without strings. And what that means is we're not going to love them so that they enter the doors of our building on a Sunday morning. We would love for them to do that. Because that would be that's great
0: conditional love but
1: we're not going to do that we're <laughs> not and this is this is where have to be really careful with my language because uh, I get myself into trouble. Because you
0: want to swear, don't you? <laughs> um, oh, well,
1: we'll, well, we'll get there. We're not to that part of the podcast yet. Um, we're not even going to love our community because we want them to know Jesus. We we do, desperately. But that is also conditional. We're going to love our community because we can't help ourselves, because we just can't stop ourselves with absolutely no, condition, no conditions and no strings. I think for several generations, speaking in general terms, painting with very broad strokes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the church has largely missed that. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very bait and switchy. I'm going to love you to get you into this building, and then I've done my job, and now, or if you don't come into the building, then I'm going to move on to somebody else, and I'm going to love them.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you think your job would be easier if, if people saw it more of a, Look at Jesus as a figure of a human doing good things versus look at Jesus as a figure as the person to hang your hopes and and fears and pains and because I know that's a big part of it, and I understand that people need a touchstone right. sure absolutely okay, and some people it's it's religion for right. some people it's cocaine for some people it's running right you know everybody's got their thing, but um There is no denying that, well, at least for me, I can't speak for the world, obviously, but as much as I'd like to, (laughs) um, that when you read his mojo, you know, the things that he was about, it's a very loving, contemplative, philosophical being.
1: Sure. He was all of those things.
0: Yeah. And so it would seem like that would be easier to get people into that vibe versus. Oh, and by the way, here's this really heavy book sure. <laughs> to check out and all this other stuff, you know?
1: Well, and, and I think I think one way we have all tripped ourselves and I, and I include myself in, the, in that, is we consider it a binary mm. option. Mm-hmm. We consider it an either or as opposed to a both and, and Jesus was both and. Um, you know, what the Bible teaches us, and it's, Susan, it's, it's mind-blowing, and we can't wrap our man, minds around it. I oh, get there's so much, so much
0: information. Yeah.
1: But what the Bible teaches us is, is Jesus was 100% man and 100% divine at the same time. I can't understand that. I believe that um but but Jesus wasn't binary he wasn't either or you don't you don't read the scriptures and think okay right now Jesus has on his human hat and right now Jesus has on his god hat sure
0: uh-huh.
1: he's not either or he is always both and and we need to approach it that way
0: see this is how i like to when i when i talk to people especially people who have a lot of self-loathing i often talk about the idea of the divine within right right because sure. I think that was whether you regard the Bible as 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 myth and legend and great stories or whatever, or as the word with the capital W. Right, right. Um, the The idea that the divine and the human self are intertwined mm-hmm. is such a beautiful message. I think, for me at least, it's sure. like that. That's the reminder of. Of love. That's what love is. Like, right. switch out the word divine I with the capital know D. What love yeah, is. <laughs> and replace it with L, <laughs> capital L, love. Right. And to me, that's all the same thing. Well, that sort of like wink from above saying, Guess what? You're awesome and I believe in you. Sure. You know, and it's right. that same sort of cycling through that message. I, I would hope that that would you yeah. know, come through the human. Feelings. Well, this, it doesn't often. No, but I wanted sadly. to desperately. Um,
1: the whole idea of love your neighbor as yourself, uh, you know, that comes from the religious elite in Jesus's time, and they are essentially asking him in in the Gospel of Mark, sum up the law for us. What are the what, what's the greatest law? If you follow this, you're pretty much following the law. And Jesus gave them two. The first one was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart mind, soul, strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. They go hand in hand. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal. When when I teach that, when I contemplate on that in my own life, I am always reminded that God created each one of us as his image bears. We are all... The Bible doesn't say those that are of this particular denomination or those that are of this particular persuasion on this political question are image bearers of God. Those people are made in God's image. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says every single human now and forever is created in God's image. So if I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I recognize that I am made in his image and you are made in his image, it's impossible for me not to love myself, and then in turn for me to also love you in that same way.
0: Oh, but there's the rub, right? <laughs> Is that how human beings feel about themselves oh, that's, that we, directly we, inspires sure. how they feel about others.
1: No, I, I totally agree. And yeah. we skip over that part. We, we jump straight to the love your neighbor, and we love that. But but we skip over the as yourself, and we're so often we're not very good at loving ourselves.
0: So it seems to me that that would be a great place to start, to say, okay, everything you know, great. Everything you've read for all these years, great. But let's start with who here loves themselves? I would be shocked if more sure. than five people right. raised there. Right. Right. I mean, really love themselves, foibles and all. We're all flawed.
1: No, I, I completely agree. And... and you've you've done the research and you've read the books and you've all the, the modern books. cultural trends <laughs> so that, many
0: books not enough <laughs> so books. all the books Never all enough the books. books.
1: Um, there there's so many reasons um why we find it so hard to love ourselves for me as we're starting with that the the square one is recognizing that we are made in the image of the creator of the universe like that's that's a pretty and big deal. Even
0: if you're a, a, an astrophysicist, if you believe that the creation of the universe came from the Big Bang mm-hmm. or you know, and you can see stardust, then my God, if you, if you look to the stars and are marveling at that and see all the beauty yeah. and the intensity and the loveliness of that and knowing that we are made up of star stuff, it's the same thing.
1: It, it's it, it's a very similar concept, it's just absolutely. just different
0: words, you know? It's, it's a
1: similar concept. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, stand, standing on that biblical teaching of all of us being image bearers of the creator of the universe... We skip over that, and that's why we find it's, we focus so much on our own failures and brokenness and bad decisions and mistakes. And we get in this downward spiral and thought loop that doesn't allow us to love ourselves. And if we can't love ourselves, how can we love our
0: neighbor? Well, do you think that's because of the concept of sin, which is also sort of spoon-fed from the get-go as well? Sure. We're not worthy. We were born with this sin that Jesus died for, blah, 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 de-blah, de, blah
1: Right, right, right.
0: I mean, if if... Personally, if I were to look up sin in the dictionary, my own dictionary that I'm writing slowly in my room, <laughs> I look up the word sin right there. When
1: you publish it, let me know. I yeah, right? that.
0: <laughs> under sin, there's just a person going, I don't know, and and right. it says, I hate myself. To me, that's that's okay. the true sin is self self loathing. It it breaks my heart. It really sure. does, and I see it everywhere.
1: I get, and and I I, w- I would agree that is that is an awful terrible example of sin it's a byproduct of sin it's this this self-loathing that we just can't get beyond but but here's the beauty of it the beauty of what the bible teaches us susan is that is that when jesus died for our sin he died for that too and he didn't just die to um, he didn't just die to pay the price for our sin yes that's it but he also died to release us from that, to save us from that, to release us from the burden of self-loathing. Um, do
0: you? What do you think? When you think of sin in your dictionary that right. you're writing in your room at home, <laughs> what is sin to you?
1: You you would think I would have a much better like like elevator speech
0: oh, definition
1: know. of sin. Um,
0: Maybe it changes around.
1: It, Sin is that which separates us from God. What we often describe as sin is actually symptoms of our sin. You know, if, if someone, uh, you know, the, the self-loathing, the, the cheating on your spouse, cheating on your taxes, whatever it is. Um, we're like, okay, well, that, that action he just took is sin. Yes, but in reality, it's a byproduct of, of, of this thing inside of us, um, this thing that separates us from God. I mean, the, maybe the hardest thing to,
0: to it's really— It's tricky, isn't it? It's,
1: oh, it's super yeah. tricky. The hardest thing to, to get a handle on in the Scriptures is the, is the idea that, that God sees people in one of two ways, perfect and imperfect. There are not degrees of either. You are not almost perfect. You are not a little bit perfect. Or you are not kind of imperfect or incredibly imperfect. You are simply perfect or imperfect. Now, In the
0: eyes of God. Yourself. In the
1: eyes of God. Now, the only one that falls into that perfect category was Jesus Christ. Therefore, all of the rest of us fall into the imperfect category without degrees. That's the hard part.
0: John's like, no, he drank milk right from the carton. It made me crazy.
1: <laughs> um, so, so it's this idea of... Because we... We want to be able to point at somebody else and say, yes, I'm broken and I'm imperfect. But I'm not that dude. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't, my brokenness hasn't manifested itself in ways that are that ugly or that dark. But that's not the way God sees it. It's perfect and imperfect and we're all in the same boat. So, so, if,
0: but if God, this is where I get confused and I'm not saying you're right or wrong. That's not my, that's totally not my jam, but it makes me think, I think about this stuff. I know it's weird all the time. That's not weird. And I think, okay, if I am an omnipotent being, okay, let's say, and I want, and I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I'll make a human. I make some humans that are in my image. Right. I'm omnipotent. Right. They're in my image. Right. And I immediately hang a, you're not cool enough. To be me exactly, you're imperfect. It seems, it doesn't match up in my pea brain. To go, wait, what?
1: I get that. I get that. But but that's that's where the the ultimate perfect love of God comes into play because He loved us so much, He gave us that choice.
0: The choice to be imperfect or perfect the,
1: or the, the choice to pursue him or not the choice okay, to trust that. him okay. or not i mean that's what it comes down to and you know the the story of adam and eve and the garden of the famous and the apple and all that other stuff the idea was god said do anything you want to except, this. It, except this one thing if He never said thing. that would they have done it it's always a good question it's 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 a great question um but because he loved them, he, he didn't want to make robots. You know, I, I I am certainly going to love my daughter more than my Roomba. Um, but my Roomba is going to do exactly what I tell it to do, and my daughter is not. So he didn't want to make just a bunch of, of clone robots. He wanted to make humans that could make choices and make decisions. Because of that Center sin and brokenness entered into the world. Now, the great thing about the scriptures is we know the end of the story. Like, you know, we, 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 we see Jesus, we see, and Jesus was not plan B. Like, that's another crazy thing about the scripture. It wasn't this God saying, okay, well, I tried it once, people messed it up, I'm gonna now do this thing. It, that was the design from from the beginning, so it's it's easy to kind of fall down the well of all of those things at the beginning, mm. to to make it an academic pursuit mm-hmm. at the beginning and and i know people i love people i'm 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 an intimate relationship with people that that have done that they they just can't get to that place because they want to be argued into heaven they want to ask all the questions mm-hmm. and they they finally want me to say something that is so convincing and compelling that they can't
0: refute it they
1: can't have a rebuttal but it doesn't really work like that though it doesn't work like that no
0: and I mean, there's faith all, doesn't work like that
1: that's the exactly that's the definition of faith the definition of faith is is kind of a, a hope for something that is not yet there it's taking that one step into the darkness where you can't see it okay. and there's there must be an element a state a step of faith
0: why do you think the argument is is so loud i mean i, I often wonder this too why it is that it matters you know i get it for on one hand because if, if I have a church and a congregation or a temple, or let's just let's put all the religions together for this for a moment. Okay. Um, if I want my congregation to grow and all that, then I want people to believe what I believe. And that makes sense. But at the end of time, instead right. of the end of the day, or the end of your life, um, whether or not somebody believes or doesn't believe, wh- why does it matter? Okay. Does it matter? Sure. I'm asking that question legitimately because I think, okay, I know what I believe. I know what I feel in my heart and how I got there, you know, over time or whatever. But when I meet somebody that doesn't think like me, I love talking about it. It's one of my most favorite things to do. But it doesn't matter to me if they believe what I believe or not because... I'm not the one that gets to decide anything at the end of the day, you know what I mean?
1: Totally get it, totally get it. But what if what you believed was, and I'll use an absurd example um, because sometimes it's easier that way. What Mm -hmm. if what you believed was um, if you drink a certain amount of orange juice, Mm -hmm. you will surely get cancer and die. Mm -hmm. You believe that with all of your heart, with every fiber of your being. Even if no one else in your life believed it, would you not make it your mission to tell your loved ones, please stop drinking this orange juice because eventually you're going to cross the line. And once that happens, you're going to die. And I love you so much. I don't want that to happen, even if they don't believe it. Mm. If you believe that, it is, you are compelled to let somebody know, Right
0: suppose. Okay, I'm you not meant- sure. I mean, I, I see what you're saying yeah. in the example. I totally understand it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The, Look c- at the guy that. Remember the guy not too long ago, the young man that went to the remote island and they arrowed him to death because he was yes, conscious to, to preach do. the word and. Yes. And he stepped foot on the shore and.
1: I do remember then that Then he guy. was dead. Right.
0: You know, and I think to he what end. Back,
1: he went back twice. Well,
0: and to what end? You know, let them drink the damn orange juice sure, at that right, point. Sure. Right. Right. You know. If sure. they want no, to. No, I get it.
1: I get it. Um, I um it's have for, millions of
0: people have died in the course of of the earth in in sure. search of and in, in defense of right. in you know aggressive persuasion of sure. this thing it's so bizarre it's it it, is, and it if is. i'm a father which i'm not a parent mm-hmm. but if i'm a parent and my understanding of parenting, not everyone gets it right, of course, but my understanding of parenting is you have this thing. It's, you know, wimbly nimbly trying to get around. You help it grow and learn and you love it. Right. And you love it more than anything. Right. Regardless, like you said, it steals your car. You still love it. You know, it does the heroin. You still love it because it's, it's your child. Mm -hmm. So, do you, do you see where I'm going with this? It's just—it's very confusing. This whole religion. It is. Thing. It is
1: incredibly. It is incredibly confusing. Um, and and again, if we if we kind of circle back to this idea of of it takes a step of faith, what mm. that means is I can't make this decision for you. I can't make this decision for my daughter. My dad used to always tell me, God doesn't have grandchildren.
0: <laughs> um, That's an interesting one. I like that.
1: Yeah. It's it, it, well. It it was very compelling to me. This idea of I, I can't. I'm not a believer because my dad's a believer. I have to do this on my own. See,
0: and I think that's the healthiest way. Mm-hmm. I, and we talked about this in the hallway a couple, when I was picking up my artwork, and we talked about right. this. It's like, if I were an omnipotent being who created this people, and, you know, I want them to come to me of their own volition, and I throw some snaggles in there, and they're like, oh, got to jump over there or figure that out on your right. own, and either you're going to come to me or you're not, I think I would prefer that love over... Someone that said, you have to love this being because you have to, without any other kind of information. I don't know. I, sure. I think no, that my ego would be like, yeah. you know, I'd rather you come to me because you're like, hmm, I really, I've been thinking about this and it's, you know, a good idea.
1: <laughs> to me, one of the most compelling stories kind of in, in, this, in this particular argument is Pen and Teller. Which one's the one that talks?
0: Uh, P- Penn Jillette talks.
1: Penn Jillette. That's exactly right. Uh, there's there's a famous story of Pendulette, um, and I'm sure you can find this on YouTube somewhere. Talking about, uh, gosh, and now I feel terrible because I'm going to butcher every one of these details.
0: He is <laughs> so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> talking about a guy that would come to his shows uh, and and gave him a Bible and and told him Pendulette Pen is agnostic somewhere atheist, in there. I thought that you may that may be right. That I don't. Right. I
0: could be wrong. I don't he is. Know, I'm he wrong is a lot.
1: On that spectrum of atheist to agnostic, probably way over towards the atheist side of it.
0: Sure.
1: But, but what Penn said was, this guy believes that if I don't read this Bible, if I don't follow this Jesus that he loves, that my soul is in peril. Mm-hmm. And he loves me so much, he wanted to let me know that. And what what Pendulet said is, the flip side of that coin is, if you believe that, which I do not, I'm speaking as Pendulet I get it, yeah. (laughs) If you believe that and you don't tell me, how much do you hate me? Hmm. How little do you care about me and my soul?
0: It's a really good point.
1: So it's not this thing of, you have to believe this. You ha- It's this thing of, I, I believe concern. this with all of my heart, sure. and I love you, and I'm concerned for you. So I want to make sure you have the option. I want to make sure you have all the information. I can't believe for you. Hmm. And I am going to love you anyway, just like Jesus loves me, just like Jesus taught us to love. Sure. I, I'm going to love you regardless of where you land on all of this, but... Because I love you, I need you to know this is what I believe. That's how important you are to me.
0: Why do you think it is? And I, I lump atheists into this. They have their own religion of atheism.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, in many ways, think... takes takes more faith than than many of your organized global. Yeah, it's religions.
0: it's a harder Certainly. bet yeah. for sure. Just in case. So, mm-hmm. um, it, why? 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 I always want to. I want to know why. Why do you think it is? And you're not an atheist. Have you always believed in God? Always. I,
1: I believe. I, I don't ever, remember a time that I didn't. Did
0: you ever have a crisis of faith? I think it depends on your definition of
1: crisis of faith. Um, I. Everyone wrestles with doubt at various seasons of their life. Sure. If you don't, I would be. I would urge you to be. Kind of introspective about what you actually believe. If there's not some sort of doubt, um, now my faith journey. What I, what I know now is is my faith journey is is more the rule than the exception. I used to be kind of a little bit embarrassed because I would go to church camp and I would hear all these stories about oh you know I was it I woke up in a gutter one day and Jesus appeared to me and. Uh, you know, our, our, I know when I decided to follow Jesus, it was July nineteenth, nineteen ninety-one, or whatever, and I didn't really know. I didn't have that story. What I, what I now know is is my faith journey has been one of progressive revelation. Uh, I can't point to a specific time or a specific date or a specific um, event that mm-hmm. happened in my life. Mm-hmm. But as I continued to pursue God, at, at some point I would have crossed that line. I can't tell you exactly when that was. I, I specifically went through a time during college of about three years that I went to my dad who who was an incredible man of faith. And I said, Dad, I, I can't tell right now, like where we're sitting right now, I don't know if my faith is my faith or if my faith is your faith well, because I've never had an option. That's a super
0: profound question.
1: Um, I, I don't know if I believe what I believe because I've never had an option in one way or another. Sure. And, and my dad, being the wonderful man that he was, encouraged me to pursue that. Lean into that question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I took about three years leaning into that question. I, I ended up coming full circle and landing back where I started. I mean with some maybe minor adjustments. Uh but landing back where I started. But at that point, my faith was my was my own. Like I had pursued it.
0: Did it feel different?
1: Totally. Totally. It felt completely different because um I was able to take ownership of it. Because I didn't only know what I believed, but I knew why I believed it, which I think is something many people in the pews in 2019 can't get there. They know what they believe, but they have no idea why. They've never thought about it. They've never leaned into those questions, leaned into those doubts. I don't know if you can call that three years a crisis of faith as much as a pursuit of faith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but, but I think we all have those seasons in in our lives. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: So going back to the first question mm-hmm. about building a church. Oh
1: yeah, Yes. Yeah, so
0: yeah, <laughs> when you are, I think all of this leads up to it. You know, it's it's everything's a circle. but yeah. uh, When you are thinking, okay, I'm gonna love my community. Right. And as they say in uh, that that baseball movie, they'll you build it, they'll come mm-hmm. or he'll come or whatever it was.
1: Field of Dreams, by the Field way. Field of Dreams. There you go.
0: Thank you. It was, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> Is that sort of always in the back of your mind or is it more active? Is it more show up on the shores and hope nobody throws an arrow at you? I mean, obviously we don't live in a primitive society. Right. But some people are Sure, you know, don't get your chocolate in my peanut butter about it.
1: You know? I and, and I and I totally get that. And and I and, and you know what? I respect that. I would never put my chocolate in their peanut butter.
0: I'm so glad you didn't think that was an insane thing to say. No, no, I remember those commercials.
1: Um uh, and 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 I I get that and and the last thing I'm gonna do is push myself on that. I mean that who does that help?
0: But how do you? I mean, how do you get other than say come and and check it out? I guess that's the. Well, you have uh, to again, fill the again, what you
1: just did is what we talked about at the beginning. That Old Testament, come and see. Yeah. And and my belief, what the New Testament teaches me, what what Matthew twenty eight, Acts one eight, so many different other places. Um, teach me is that it's my job to be a part of the community to to be woven into the fabric of the community so that I can go and build intimate relationship with people that don't look like me and don't sound like me and don't believe like me and don't come from my background and and I believe that that we are knit together to be in those types of relationships the the beauty of it is When you are in those relationships, those conversations, like through intimate relationship, those conversations will inevitably come up. Those guys, I mean, I can't, you can't know me very long to not know a part of my faith journey. You can't know you very long to not have heard something about your art or your music or your, I mean, all, because it's you. Sure. The problem is we as the church have spent so much time sitting in buildings like this waiting for people to come to us and say... Tell me again what you believe. And that doesn't happen all that often. So, so when we go back to that idea of, of Imago Dei, that idea of we're all created in, in God's image, we're all image bearers. And by all, I mean all. It's impossible not to just celebrate being in a community like this and, and take incredible joy at the honor of just getting to be a part of this great place of East Nashville sure. and getting to know people and walk with them in their faith journey. I mean, when you when you said earlier, you asked a question about, would your job be easier? I, I almost stopped you and, and asked what you think my job is, which is...
0: I, I know what the... Wor- And it it makes me emotional because I think it's important. And what I really like about you and why I was drawn to you is because I do feel like you truly have the energy of what, to me, Christ consciousness means. Mm. You know, this very loving, open, questioning, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really important. Um, So I, the first word that comes to my head, of course, is love. Right. Which I think is what it's—that's all of it. To me, that's it in a nutshell, period, end of story. There is nothing else. It's great to, to, you know, to do the uh, mitzvahs or the tithings or the whatever's that you feel are right. important in, in the process of it all. But ultimately, if it was like a Maslow's hierarchy, the tip-top, tippity-top, just love, for goodness sakes, you know? Isn't that why we're here? Love the
1: Lord your God and love your neighbor as
0: yourself, right? There, now... So to me, that's what it is. Yes. You, you say, like when we met... And we chatted briefly. You said, come check out. Mm-hmm. And I love a great sermon. No matter what the faith, It's I love going because I like hearing the stories. And I love how hearing uh, hearing how people interpret them. And I'd like to see the congregation's reaction as well. Right. And, uh, and of course, I came and I took notes and emailed you mm-hmm. the next day. And I was mm-hmm. like, we had to be on a podcast together. Um, because I think everything begets something else. Sure. But I did like the fact that you seemed very open and inviting, which I think Draws people in, which makes you a good pastor, obviously. Well,
1: well, thank you for those kind words. Always, always. Good I only brought you here to receive, insult you. <laughs> receive encouraging words. I, I would say that largely my job, and I think it's the coolest job in the world. Largely, my job is to desperately pursue my Creator and shepherd people along with me in their pursuit.
0: That's, you know, that's a really interesting use of language. Desperately pursue my creator makes it sound like he's always one step ahead, but you don't really feel that no, way. No, I don't.
1: I don't. So all right, Jeremiah, Old Testament. There's this, there's this classic verse in Jeremiah that you see on coffee mugs and bumper stickers uh, that says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for for hope and a future and cotton candy and rainbows and unicorns.
0: That's paraphrasing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that. I don't think that's the King James, but it's in there somewhere. That would be
0: amazing. Um,
1: you know, that's and that's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and like so many other verses in the Bible, we've we've kind of plucked that verse out of the scripture because it it looks great on a crocheted pillow on our couch. But in doing so, we've completely taken it out of context. We True. think, okay, God has promised us a great future. Now, in the in the context of that story, God through Jeremiah is speaking to these exiled Israelites. And what he says right before that is uh, the vast and overwhelming majority of you are going to die in exile and you're never going home. I know the plans I have for you. I'll to, I don't know, right. So, so, so it's not this, you're all going to be rich and prosperous and, and everything's going to be great. and It's all going to work out at the end. Um, at least not on this side of heaven. Now the beauty of that, and I love that chapter because two verses later, the real promise comes. And what God says is, my promise to you is when you pursue me, you will find me because I'm here. Now, none of us are ever going to have it all figured out on this side of heaven. Our faith journey is a constant one. But but I stand on that promise of Every single day, I'm going to desperately try to go to bed one step closer to God than I was when I woke up. Now, the vast majority of days, I fail miserably at that pursuit. But that's my goal. I'm going to go to bed one step closer to my creator than I was.
0: Mm.
1: And, And I'm going to do everything I can to bring some people along with me. Now, each of their faith journeys is personal. None of them are going to look exactly like mine. But if I can do the best I can to point them to Jesus, then I feel like I've done my job. And what a cool job that is. It's like I get to run after this savior and hey guys, come along with me. How much fun is this? Um, and I get to do it in this great, incredibly diverse, dynamic community, and I get to learn from other people, and I get to learn from your story, and and you know the baristas down at the post, and the bartenders over at Vinyl Tap, and everybody else, and, and we all get to be a part of this beautiful tapestry. I mean, that's a pretty cool gig I got.
0: Absolutely. All right, two questions. Yep. One, when you are uh, giving your sermon, for example, the one I saw was, uh, you talked about when God uh, said to Moses, hey, you're the guy, and was like, I'm not the guy. I talked to my brother. Oh, yeah, And God yeah. was like, no, no, you're the guy. And I was like, I'm really, I can't read or write. Okay, so or that
1: like... was way over a year ago. So yes, we've been anticipating the... this day yes, for longer than a year. It was
0: in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, the, the staff turns into the snake, and God's like, like seriously, believe me. Right. I'm telling you, it's you. And he's saying, yeah. I'm kind of a piece of garbage really. My my big brother's way cooler or whatever, or my little was a big brother? Little. Little brother was way cooler. And uh what I love about that particular story, and this is what I emailed you about, is that it's such a reminder that his eye is on the sparrow, right? It doesn't matter if you consider yourself the low of the low, sure. You're still worthy in the eyes of your creator. And I love that. So but we when we listen to you in the congregation, right. you only have an hour Right? You could yeah. go off on a zillion million tangents sure. with every story. So how my question is, how do you know where to stop in that moment? Because you didn't really go into that. That's my head going crazy, yeah. because that's that's something that I'm really passionate about. And so of course my brain goes there. Sure. And then you know you were talking about the next thing you were talking about and all that. But I think when you believe that the Bible is the word, the literal word with the capital W. Right. But there's also, even in that belief system, there's also lovely metaphors and, and concepts and things like that. But if you don't get the time to sure. expand on yeah. the, the metaphor, or what it could mean, or what does that mean to you, or you know all that, does it put you in sort of a
1: it, conundrum? Sure. Um, in my sermon planning throughout the week, the hardest part is figuring out what I'm not going to say. I bet what leaves on the, what what you know ends up on the room cutting room floor, floor yeah, right? Sure. Uh, so yes, that is that is a hard thing. But but a couple of things that I'm, I want to say to address that. The first is we preach through sermon series. So like we were when you were here, that was Exodus, right? And, and I think I was in Exodus for two or three months. Okay. So so yes, on that Sunday, and you know, I'm, I may preach for forty forty five minutes or whatever. But we're looking at. You know, we're looking at 10 hours total in the book of Exodus. And, of
0: course, I want it all in one day. Um, I want to get it all.
1: (laughs) Well, and and that's the second thing I want to say. Sadly, for many of us, people that that are in every congregation in the world, their only touch point with the Scriptures is whatever a pastor happens to say on Sunday Mm -hmm. morning. And it is not enough. Mm -hmm. There is no way that any pastor in the world can can say everything that needs to be said on any particular passage. It's why personal Bible study, it's why studying the Bible in the context of small groups with other people, other is is absolutely paramount in, in a person's faith journey. Because if they're relying on little old me on a Sunday morning to do everything for them...
0: Yeah, that speaks to what you were saying before about going on your own journey to what
1: you believe you you well you need to yes going on your own journey going on your own pursuit Mm -hmm. uh, of jesus And, and, and in doing so that includes uh personal time in the scripture that includes time studying the scripture with with a couple of friends that it's not just i'm gonna go and listen to the preacher um i don't need that kind of pressure
0: it's a lot i mean it's a lot
1: it's a lot it it takes it takes much more time and and effort and intentionality on an individual level
0: do many of your parishioners seek you out to dive deeper i mean i know every church has its sunday schools i've been kicked out of a few i'm not gonna lie Ah, well
1: who hasn't yeah it's kind of a rite of passage
0: yeah (laughs) so there's that but um And like your father, my parents were very, my dad is Jewish, my mother's Episcopalian. And wow. my, my father's a scientist. Okay. And my mother is, I would say, in the woo woo realm of believing in things that cannot be seen, right?
1: Uh, in the woo woo realm. That's I'm what not, I call it, the okay. woo woo
0: realm. Like, you know, the metaphysical realm. Okay. You know, All that right. kind of thing. And so it was.
1: Did uh, did, did Socrates then, use the term woo woo? I think at he any did. Point? Okay.
0: And then he drank some tea. Yeah. and It was, was
1: it Aristotle. Aristotle's <laughs> metaphysics. Right? <Is>
0: that? Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. He wrote a treatise about mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, and they were, and I've told this story a million times on this show, but um, they basically, I was, I started school in England. I came home from school, I was five years old. They start earlier there. And I said, hey, Ma, Dad, who's this Jesus guy everybody's talking about? And my parents, my mother's an archaeologist, even, you know, even though the woo-woo, she's an archaeologist um, and a Greek historian. And so they sat me down, the science brain and this archaeological brain, and they sat me down and they said, here's the deal. There's all these different religions and and smaller, you know, poly, mono, blah, blah, blah. Here's the myth. Here's the... And you have to figure out who you are and what you believe in will support you sure. on that journey. And so my life was rife with all this information. I went to temples. I went to churches. I went to friends. Ch- ch- you know, I did it all. And it was awesome. And slowly I became who I am. And I'm still all the time. You know, growing into something, but I don't like you said. I don't know that that's the norm. Right. So when people come to you and say, "Hey, you said this thing," I do think that people use religion a lot to justify being jerks. Absolutely. Do you see? I don't. I know you're never going to speak ill because somebody in your congregation will probably listen to this mm. and be like, "No, I did not." You know, but but it happens.
1: It absolutely happens all the
0: time. You see it on the news all the time. Sure. I mean. And it, it's so sad. To it's me. heartbreaking. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So I don't know what my question was, or I just want. am sure it was going to be a good one. Same tangent of like how, how do you stop people from, from twisting things?
1: Well, okay, uh, several several different things. Because I want to speak into that.
0: When you study it all, like I did, you yeah. see where the connections all are. Right. You see how it's all basically everyone's saying the same thing with different words or okay. you know what i mean like you can find the the flood story in lots of different places sure. you can find the the virgin birth story and right. there's all this stuff and to me i think all right well if i'm an omnipotent being i can just make all this stuff in all these different places and i don't see why that's not connected. It does seem connected.
1: It it very well could be. Now now from like an apologetic standpoint from from a Christian standpoint, if I were to say all those things you you do find the flood narrative in many different religions, sure. many different historical accounts. From a Christian perspective what what we would say is the biblical account would be the the account of the flood and then all of these others took that account and made it made it into Incorporated it into their religion or their history, or but they what had But happened
0: first, doesn't matter. Is that like a doesn't matter thing? It's like the Mesopotamian flood story that happened a couple thousand years before Jesus, and you know, put on his first pair of shoes right. or sandals, whatever.
1: Well, well, keep in <laughs> mind in the Bible, the flood happens
0: way you know, before I, Jesus. I, oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, that. Yeah, but right, I'm just saying right, that. Sure. It, yeah. 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 There,
1: there's always going to be going to be a step of faith in this. Well, uh, then
0: where does faith tie in? I'm I keep interrupting. I'm sorry. Well, how does but logic and faith, they don't ever go hand in hand. I'm
1: of course they do. Okay. Of course they go hand in hand. Yeah. Because as image bearers mm-hmm. of the almighty creator of the universe, he also gave us brains to think and make wise decisions.
0: Unfortunately.
1: It's one of those things of, okay, you know, going back to your guy in the island in the Indian Ocean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I choose to believe his actions were made with the best of intentions.
0: I'm sure, sure.
1: He goes onto that island, if I remember the story correctly, he goes uh, the first day, they shoot him with an arrow or two. He swims back out to the boat, goes back the second day, and doesn't come back the second time. Right. Uh, that That is a great deal of faith, that's a great deal of passion. I also believe that's some unwise decision-making. Like, that's one of those things of, okay, that's where a a little bit of wisdom may have helped him in that pursuit. You know, it's that that thing of uh, serving an almighty God. Could he save me if I jumped off the Natchez Trace Bridge? Yes, he could. I believe that. Does he want me to jump off the Natchez-Trace Bridge to prove that? I don't think so. Like, that's wise decision-making, that God gave us that logic. So certainly, they go hand in hand. Mm. Um, You know, I believe logic and our decision-making ability is something that comes from God. Does that make sense?
0: It does, entirely. Yeah, I do love the—I don't know if it's a parable, a joke, or what it is about the— the, the flood is coming and the guy is at his house and a, a boat comes by or oh, first yeah, a guy yeah. comes by and says, hey, there's a flood coming. He's like, oh, I'm okay. God will protect me. And then the boat, hey, get in the boat. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. God will protect me. And then the helicopter, no, no, it's okay. And then he's in heaven because he's drowned. He's right. like, God, why didn't you protect me? He's like, man, I sent a dude. I sent a boat. I right. sent an airplane. Exactly. What do you want from me? And that, and, that's a, and that is
1: actually a perfect picture of this thing of Sometimes God is sending us all this stuff so that we can make just wise decisions, not this absolute, he, he's an all-powerful God, so I'm going to jump off the Empire sure. State Building and I'm going to be fine.
0: Well, what happened? I mean, you're a smart guy, so what happens when, and, and even, I'm not saying that this is a smart versus not smart, but you are a smart person, so I can, I, I don't feel I'm going to insult you, by, hopefully, by asking you this. <laughs> so here you have a brain with which to work things out with. Right. And you have faith, which right. is undeniable and incurable, <laughs> which is good. I have faith as well. Um, what happens when they butt against each other for you? Like When you do see things like, well, that doesn't quite match up, do you just sort of flip the page and call it good? Or uh, where does that put you?
1: Um, no, I don't just flip the page. I think way too many of us do. Mm-hmm. I-, I think really early in my faith journey, I did, which is why I eventually ended at that place of... Gosh, I don't know if I even believe what I say I believe because I've had all these questions and I've ignored them. So so I, I lean into that. Um I pursue that. I I pray about that, and I pray that I can find some really good tangible resources. It's not just thing of, you know, God, I'm just gonna sit in my room on my knees. Uh, and fold my hands and I'm gonna pray that you give me clarity on this thing that I can't. It's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out, we're gonna go and we're gonna find some books, we're gonna go to the library, we're gonna go to the internet, I'm gonna talk to people that have different perspectives and different experiences and, and we're gonna figure that out. I also recognize that sometimes that story ends with, I don't completely understand it, I can't wrap my ri- mind around it, the good news is he is God and I am not. Like sometimes that's where it ends. Mm. Sometimes I, I find a very satisfactory answer. Sometimes I'm given clarity. Sometimes it's this thing of I still can't figure this out. I still don't get it. I'm going to land on what the Bible teaches me. Um, you know, I'm going to put this down on my long list of things to ask God when when I get to heaven because mm. I can't quite wrap my mind around it.
0: Well, what happens when you come up against something where it says like, oh, if you're an adulterer, you should be stoned or sell my daughter, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's lots of stuff sure. that people bring up, of course. Then where do you go?
1: Okay. Those do you are- go,
0: oh, well, historically, fine. Every, you know, 70 years ago, human beings weren't treated equally, you know, and that was at the time, okay. Is it that, at the time this was written, it was okay to stone your, your daughter for looking at the neighbor boy and now it's not, and we just move forward. I mean, how, where do you go with that stuff?
1: Well, there's. I mean, there there are a lot of of kind of specific laws in the Old Testament that make us incredibly uncomfortable. Obviously, um, fortunately, those those laws are no longer in place. Some of those laws I, I can't explain. I can't figure out why some of these things existed at the time, other than what we learn from from the book of Romans, for example, in the New Testament, as Paul leans into this idea of Jesus versus the law. The general idea is the law was fulfilled in Jesus because the purpose of the law was to show us that we could not do it on our own. There's no way we can follow all of this stuff. So, the, so essentially the purpose of the law was to point us towards a savior. To point us towards the need of a Savior. And that was fulfilled in Jesus the Savior. So Jesus fulfilled the law in that way. That's the the general idea. And, you know, obviously they teach years worth of seminary courses in this, and there are volumes and volumes of literature. So to try to distill it to a um, 90-second comment is incredibly difficult. So so the general idea is these Old Testament laws showed us our own brokenness those old testament laws do not uh, apply to us today thankfully because i have an 11 year old daughter um so I, I recognize that thankfully because you know they're they're the laws about if if my brother's if my brother dies i have to marry, marry his, his wife, wife. Yeah. right mm-hmm. you know some of those sure. things we sure. we don't
0: Right in our outfits today, and breaking uh, a yeah, the glass. yeah, the mixed fabric and yeah, all that good stuff. Sure.
1: Again, a lot of that. If you remember, you know, at the beginning of, of, of our conversation, this idea of the Old Testament. And gosh, I feel bad because I'm I'm way oversimplifying so much well, of this.
0: Well, I mean, there's like what are you going to do? Um, the idea <laughs> of the Old
1: Testament being very much a come and see and New Testament being go and tell, so many of those laws, the dietary laws, the, mm. the laws about what you could wear, the laws about the Sabbath, the laws about the way you cut your fields and everything else, so many of that was in that that um, come and see model. Mm-hmm. And it was so that God's people would be set apart. It was the the, the laws, specifically the Ten Commandments, were so revolutionary at the time, so vastly different from anything else at the time. The idea being these people are sanctified, which means they're set apart. So the world can come and see God's people that have been been set apart. That's what the law's kind of set up in many ways. Um, But, that's the, the we, are, we are still sanctified, we are still set apart, but it's not because of the laws, it's because we're sanctified in Jesus.
0: So where do you, what do you do with people that come to you and say, oh, well, I don't like Muslims, for example, because they're different than me, or I don't like Jews because, you know, the common, oh, the Jews killed Jesus, which, by the way, is so not right and not true. You know, there's, everything has been so screwed up to fit certain narratives, and but It's what people believe. And then here you are at the head of a pulpit. What do you do when people come to you and they really want to not like somebody or some religion?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I mean, first of all, we have to point them back to the scriptures and show them all the places that, that that is absolutely the antithesis of what we're taught in the Bible. Uh, to, to not like somebody because of who they are, where they come from, or what they believe or what their religion is. That's the absolute antithesis of what we're taught in the Bible. Secondly, I try to start to get to the core of that belief. Why do you feel the need? You, you said it yourself. They so desperately want to hate someone. Mm-hmm. Where is that desire coming from? What is it in you? that is creating this need to set yourself apart from someone else, to, to make yourself better than someone else, to hate someone else? And where are you missing what the Bible is teaching us, that, that this is the manifestation uh, of this of religion in your life?
0: Have you found that that helps? Does it work?
1: It depends on the person.
0: Yeah, It depends on the person. And, and again,
1: I, as we've talked about so many times, I, it is incredibly difficult to argue someone into this. What all I can do is point them to the scriptures, yeah. point them to what we're taught, talk to them, kind of kind of pick at those scabs a little bit, dig into that a little bit. and But they have to reach those places on their own. They have sure. to reach those conclusions on their own.
0: And I know that a lot of people like to think that once you're born into this place where you believe something so fully and totally that that's it. I don't believe that's it. Okay. I think human beings grow all the time. Sure. They just, maybe they don't know, or they haven't thought about it, like you said, or they've just taken what's been fed them, and they haven't looked at the ingredients. And uh, they don't I, know I, why I, they're having an allergic reaction.
1: <laughs> <God>. yeah, <I laughs> How's that for right a metaphor? I like that. I like that. <laughs> and, and, and certainly, our faith grows and matures, and if your faith sure. isn't growing and maturing, then, then you need to go back and be, you know, do some self inspection, yeah. self reflection, and figure out why. And so, our faith evolves over time. It's designed to do so. Uh, the Book of James, kind of James and Romans, are are two sides to this same coin in the scriptures, and I and I love them. I, I love all the books of the Bible. I
0: get it. I don't have no favorites. one's judging you. Thank uh, you. Um,
1: but <laughs> not but in this room. <laughs> the beauty of James and James and Romans, Paul writes Romans, and and Paul writes it from a pastor's perspective. And what Paul is doing is he is attacking this idea of religion, heritage makes you somehow better than someone else. And he is making sure that all these people he's speaking to recognize it is faith and faith alone, and that's it. There's nothing in you that makes you better than anyone else. James is kind of standing back-to-back with Paul, and he's writing his letter, and what he says is people people read the classic verse in James of uh, faith without works is dead, and they think, they take that out of context, and they think, okay, well, it's not faith alone. It's faith and doing good deeds. But that's not what James says. What James says is if you have real faith, it will manifest itself in these in these good deeds, in these works. If you don't have any physical manifestation of your faith in your life, you don't actually have any faith.
0: It's a really great point he makes. Um, it is.
1: It's is a really great point. <laughs> because he makes.
0: if it is uh, if it is truly a part of who mm-hmm. you are, at the core of who you are, right you will act in that way sure. regardless. And you it won't, it won't be second nature. That's why I always love the whole, like, with the right hand versus the left hand. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that means, like, if you have to sit there on the social medias or tell everyone you know about how you gave a homeless guy five bucks today, you're kind of defeating the purpose. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes ego. It's all about what you did versus serving.
1: Right. Well, and, and the idea in James is service, these good deeds, um, loving your community, a physical manifestation of your faith, it is not obligatory to, you fa- to your faith. Mm. It is inevitable.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Like
1: you can't stop it. Yeah. If you have real faith, this is what your life because will look
0: like. Because that's love with a capital L. Uh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But even that evolves over time, what that looks like, those physical manifestations, um, you, this, this um, compulsion to go and love your community. Just this overflow of the love that's in your life that you can't stop it, you can't hold it back, it's a flood. Um, That's what James tells us is, if you don't have that overflow, you need to figure out, you need to go back and look at your faith because you may not have any faith at all. You may just have an academic knowledge. Uh, I heard somebody recently talking about the same concept and likened it to um, like a college science course with a lecture and a lab, you know you, you get you get the book knowledge, but you you learn it so that you live it. You go and do the lab and the practical application. Show me, of don't it. tell me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so often we have we have spent so much time just in lecture courses so that we can pass a multiple choice quiz at the end of the day. But we've never actually done anything. We don't know any real world effects of our faith, or what the Bible teaches us, or the Holy Spirit in our lives, and all of those things.
0: Yeah. All right. Here we are. When this comes out, it will be Easter time. It's coming up. That's right. And uh, Easter, uh, the story of of the resurrection, mm-hmm. which is such a cool story. Uh, or, it's,
1: it's yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's, I know. Yes, I say from my perspective a cool right. story. From your perspective, the word with the capital W. Right. Um, what is your favorite bit about the resurrection story? Like, oh, have, the whole thing. Because, I mean, it starts up pretty hardcore. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, a good Friday for Jesus.
1: No, <laughs> was no, it was, very, yeah, it was a rough one.
0: That was a bad uh, Friday. It was a rough one. And that's
1: what we actually, so so the week before Easter, uh, we get to do the crucifixion. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, Easter morning, we get to celebrate the resurrection. And and I think it's important to... to to give both of those events their own time. Mm. Uh, you know, I, again, I have to choose my words really carefully, but, but you don't want to cheat the crucifixion in favor of the resurrection because we're so uncomfortable with the darkness of that Friday, the just br- sheer brutality of it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, you don't want to cheat that moment because we love the celebration of the resurrection. Again, it's not an either-or, it's a both-and, and we need to give both their... Their time. We need to sit in both of them. Uh, my, my favorite part, did you say resurrection or crucifixion?
0: I, uh, the, the whole shenanigans. The whole,
1: the whole, the whole story? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So many. So I, many. How about
0: one from the dark and one from the light? Right.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Because um, you can't have one without the other.
1: Can't have one without the other. Historically. That's exactly right. You can't have one without the other. So uh, a couple of things about the crucifixion. First of all, as you read through the Gospels, uh, you know, for your listeners that aren't familiar with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're the right at the beginning of the New Testament, and they are the story of, of Jesus on earth, of his time here on earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As you read through the Gospels, and you don't only read through the, the crucifixion narrative, but through the entire ministry of Jesus, what you see is Jesus knows from the beginning. From the beginning, everything points towards the cross which I am always just stunned and humbled as I read the brutality of the crucifixion and the Romans were experts at torture like they knew exactly what they were doing and it wasn't just physical tort- torture it was mental torture it was humiliation it was all of it and and Jesus knew like he was telling his disciples from the beginning hey guys this is happening like that's where we're headed and he did it anyway. Like, he did it anyway. At any point in time, he could have shut the thing off and said, you know what? Ah, I'm out. But he never did. He did it anyway. And then as you get to the end of the crucifixion, when I, when I say the end, I mean the end, when Jesus breathed his last, it tells us in Mark 15, um, the next thing that happens is the curtain in the temple was torn. And it's torn from top to bottom you know and that curtain it's the curtain it's the curtain that separates the holy of holies it's the the high priest only went in there once a year and when he went in he went in with a rope tied around his waist so that if he died while he was in there they could pull him out cuz no one else could go in because because that was the presence of god right and no one could survive being in the presence of god the high priest got that got that honor once a year and that was it so Jesus dies, he breathes his last, and now the curtain is torn, and suddenly anyone has access to this presence of God. I mean, what huge.
0: in the middle I mean, of that
1: darkness,
0: yeah.
1: what an incredible, unbelievable, beautiful part of that, mm-hmm. that curtain being torn. Uh, as, we get to, as we get to three days later, as we get to Sunday morning, as we get to the resurrection, it's the idea of not only was the price paid for our imperfection. You know, Jesus, that that eternal Passover lamb, not only did he die for us, but death itself has now been defeated as you have the resurrection narrative on Sunday morning. He is now living again so that we may live with him. I mean, is there, is there a greater story in history of, of you know, uh, some, the sacrifice, God's only son, the sacrifice of himself. He knew it was coming. He did it anyway for me, for you, like for all of us, every single one of us. And then three days later, the celebration of an empty tomb so that we can live with him. You know, death itself, sin itself, all of it has been defeated. It's, sorry, I'm getting excited. No,
0: it's good. I love excitement. Do you think it's more monumental that the, the curtain was ripped or that the stone was rolled away and ta-da? Which do you think is a more powerful? Personally, which do you think?
1: Um, I, gosh, I think that is, that is an unanswerable question. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can have one anyway. without the other. Right. Sure. They, they are both... When I, say, when I say they're both impactful to me, they are the most impactful. I mean, the fact that little old me has access personally to the creator of the entire billions of stars and I have access to him because of this sacrifice. I mean, you can't overstate that. There's no way to articulate that. And then the fact that my savior defeated death and i get to walk with him and know like i get the opportunity to know and love and be loved by a living savior you can't you can't have one without without the other you can't have one without the other
0: the whole, all of it is just, it just begets so many more conversations. Sure, yes. to It's insane. I could talk right. to you for probably at least a week straight yeah. without without stopping. Because it. it I, already my brain's like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Mm-hmm. But I do, I value your time. But I do want to ask you something in closing. Okay. Um, if you were to meet Jesus, okay. what would you want to talk about? And ooh, part B. If you were to meet Jesus, what would you want to talk about? And would you prefer the Jesus pre, pre-crucifixion or post? Okay. Or both? Would right. you change what, right. you saw, what you spoke of?
1: Okay, so...
0: Aside from the usual platitudes, but I mean like the real question. Right, yeah. the,
1: the real question. Yeah. So the reason that question is almost impossible for me to answer is because I believe that I have already met Jesus
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's right? put you historically then you're there. Okay. okay. You're at the, you're at the table of 12 past the snacks. Jesus, I got a question for you.
1: Sure. Um, so yeah, so it's hard for me to answer that right now because I believe that I I've met Jesus and I, that's the whole sure. thing about a living savior. I get right. to talk to him and ask him all the questions. Of down. course, right. of course. Right.
0: But I, I mean it more intellectually than oh, that, I gosh. guess. Um, Not to throw you, you know, into a realm of
1: if I were there, what questions would I ask him? What would I just desperately want to know? I think maybe the, the, the main question would be, why me?
0: Why you're worthy yeah, of loving you? why would you do this for me? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I have turned my back on you so many times. I have denied you, either with my words or my actions, so many times. Why would you go through this for me? I still don't understand it. I mean, you want to talk about love with the big L?
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, I feel like if I were Jesus, I'd turn to you and say, "Do you not love your child the same way?"
1: Mm. Mm. And in that, of I mean, and again, the idea that we are children of God—he did this for all of us. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful image. And, and I think the answer is yes. I would absolutely do that for my own child.
0: I'm all for love with the capital L. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much, David Hanna. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this for so long. Thank you for having me. It was really my pleasure. I, I mean it. It was great. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And by the way, just as a little aside, if you've never read the Bible, or maybe you read it when you were 15 because your parents made you or whatever, um, I really, it's such an interesting, deep, fascinating read, whether you're religious or non-religious, I recommend reading it. And to that end as well, if you have a deep faith, I recommend reading some of the things that people who are atheists and agnostics believe, because it all feeds into in it itself. And the journey is beautiful and knowing who you are and what you're not and all that, its it's a cool place to be. So love each other and Go team.
1: Go team. Susan, you're awesome. i grateful for you.
0: I'm grateful for you, too. Bye, everybody. Yay. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed that, please go to iTunes and rate and review Hey Human Podcast there. It's super helpful, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. See you later.